The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. We're going to start with a case. And what our hopes are is that we sort of uh, partner up or three folks partner up kind of in a group for you to read through the case together and kind of go down the questions that you see there at the bottom. Uh, And then after some time, we're going to kind of come back as a larger group to go through that together. We're going to start there with that that first question. What was your kind of initial response? What did you notice in yourself? Well, we had talked about a couple of things that ran the gamut from anger, disgust, but then also what is the truth? Yeah. You know, we want to know what is the truth because I think you have to believe the person making the accusation, but at the same time you have to believe that the youth worker, you know, you have to believe. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can just immediately crucify somebody. Sure. And so I think there has to be that element of truth that's mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Who else? One of the things I would follow up on that, the truth piece. Whose job is it to find the truth? Just a rhetorical question. The police? The police? Okay, yeah. Whoever the authorities are that's not in the church. Yeah, yeah. Not us, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Who else? What did you notice kind of come up for you? Since I'm a pastor, I have to, you know, and I won't safeguard my church and safeguard my workers. I would have, if I had known, I would have tried to have stopped this from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Because he opened the door wide open for that's great. this type of situation. I heard lots of conversation just around preventing this from happening which is part of what I think is important that we talk about, right? You can kind of read through it and go, well, we should have protocols and policy in place where this doesn't happen. Uh, And which if you are part of a congregation that doesn't, that's part of the conversation we're hoping to begin, uh, is that if these policies are not in place, uh, that it's important to do that. So thank you for, for naming that, that... Prevention is a piece of this case. Yeah. I know one of the best things that we did at our church. Now, we've done other things too. But the best thing that we did at our church when we set a camera in the corner of everyone in the classrooms. Yeah. In the fellowship hall. There's not many inches in that church that we can't sit there and watch on the screen. Mm-hmm. And that's important, especially in the pastor's office where he sometimes gets called up meeting with someone that he don't feel comfortable with. Yeah. And we feel real good about doing that. And it also helps you with other things, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sunday before we left, a lady come to the side door I'd never seen before. I was on the cameras. So I'd get on the radio. I said, check the side door. Don't know who it is. Had a book bag on our back. And in today's world, that concerned me a little. Sure. But it's the same difference with with the relationship with the child and the 
the teacher. He made a big mistake when he put her in that car and started carrying her in, even the first day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even the first day. Good. Who else? What was your own sort of initial response reading through this case with Caleb? need to protect yourself if she comes to talk to you about that. You need to make sure somebody else is in the room with you. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So if she is, come, what you're saying is if she comes to talk to you, your immediate response might be, let me go get someone else that can sit with me to hear this. Well, even though, you know, we had talked about that too, but she made, you know, made a comment, I don't want anybody else to know and we had talked about, you know, maybe bring her mother in, and if, okay, she says, I don't want anybody else to know, maybe somebody else that she would trust uh, or feel comfortable with, because, you know, you can't take out, you know, I don't want anybody else to know about this, because there's a level of shame on her part, too. Mm -hmm. But I'm with him. I would not sit there by myself. I don't care what she's talking about, because, you know, it could be, you know, a situation where then she could turn around and, Accused, you know, you of something. Mm -hmm. If it didn't go the way she wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's got to be that level of protection. Yeah. If somebody's going to know if you've had to report to the police. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's her desire, but it's not anything that a whole much water. Say, say more. Stepped out. I see. She has stepped out of her nobody knows zone and come to you. Oh, already. yeah, right. Right. So if she doesn't want anybody else but you and her and the other person, she's already breached that secrecy issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which gets to one of the things we'll talk about here in a minute is sort of the, the action plan of, of kind of what comes first, uh, knowing that North Carolina is a must-report state, uh, that at some point during this conversation we're going to have to turn – to reporting. Uh, however, you have a very uh, hurt and uh, likely emotional child in front of you. And so how do we respond in a way that communicates care and responsibility? So it's one thing for us to talk about, this is a must-report state, but it's another thing to look at Kayla and go, okay, quit talking, i got to report this, and She's confiding in you. Uh, she's telling you this. And so one of the things we'll talk about in a minute is sort of how do we deal with her in that moment to sort of offer care and compassion and kind of help walk her through now uh, the, the information that you, you are holding with her, knowing that you can't keep it secret. You can't keep it just between the two of you. Uh, and for a 14-year-old who is already disclosing, that can be a bit traumatic too, knowing that this can no longer be held just between you and I. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Does it get easier? No. Because, well, wait, <laughs> no. because she has disclosed it now. Yeah. The first person. So is it easier for her when it's disclosed to the next person? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Great question. I would say no. I would say, you know, someone mentioned the word shame. Um, I think because there's so much emotion that comes with that, 
in vulnerability, we're already talking about trauma, there's a chance that depending on the response of the individual, there could be a re-traumatization um, because she's kind of, in a way, very raw, very open. Um, and so I would say no. You know, you think about someone who maybe reports to the police and you think, okay, they've had to tell their story 14 different times. It must have they must be able to tell their story now. Well, really, it doesn't get easier. They just learn to dissociate from the details. So they've learned how to protect themselves emotionally when really it's still affecting them. I think there's another part, too. What if it's not true? What if she's seeking attention and nothing has happened? What if it's not him that's done this, what if it's the next door neighbor and she put the blame on him to keep it safe for her? Does that make sense, what I just said? It does. I'd love to hear y'all's response to that. What if it's not true? Well, I think I come back to, and this may not be the way you would recommend, but I think there would have to be some point very early in the conversation, once she has opened Pandora's box, that you say, I, I want you to know I'm, I'm very sympathetic, Great. very empathetic with what's going on here, but I need to stop you for just a moment and let you know that I am required by law that when there is any kind of abuse that is brought to me, I have to report. Great. Um, I mean, I would have to stop at that point because that may give an option for her to say, change her story. You, you, you see... Um, and but if it doesn't, then I think I'm going to feel a little more like okay, this this must have happened, mm-hmm. and I think that's when you have to get you know the authorities involved. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if that's the way to do it, but that's what I would do. Yeah. As I sit here right now. Great, great. I was. You say this is a North Carolina is a must report state. Does that include the lawyers? Say that. Say that again. Going to a lawyer, does a lawyer have to report that? Oh, yeah. Any kind of abuse of minors has to be reported. Regardless, yeah. From what I understand. Yeah, I mean, even, even as therapists, we have pretty privileged and confidential abilities, and that's a pretty mandatory clause. Uh, so if there's yeah I- anything dealing with a minor, I mean, I, I can say it with pretty confidence that it, whether you're an attorney or uh, I mean, you can get in you can get in some reverse trouble by holding the information. Well, uh, and I've always yeah. made it a practice, regardless of, of who I'm sitting across from, that I tell them, you know, anything you discuss with me in here is held in strictest confidence unless, and then I usually start with, I consider you a danger to yourself, a danger to someone else, or we're talking about abuse. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I put that out there before the conversation starts. Great. So that, that gives them an opportunity, well, I can't talk to you about this then, and, you know. Yeah, great. Great. And so what I hear in that is that you're kind of, keeping the trust that they come to you to disclose whatever it is that they want to disclose, you're kind of handing it back to them and saying, I'm going to let you know on the forefront so that the trust doesn't get ruptured 
if you disclose something and then I go, oh, 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 oh wait, 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 I got to tell someone about right, it. Right. Then they're like, well, now I can't trust you. Because I mean, so, says, says, I've been having suicidal thoughts. They're a danger to themselves. And I've already told them that if you tell me something like that, I, I'm going to have to let somebody know. Yeah. Um, so it goes to the abuse thing as well. Yeah. You had something. I was just thinking about the uh, how quickly we want it to be a lie that we we want that That's good. she's not telling That's good. the truth. Uh-huh. I mean, I, and I, you know, personally, I do know someone. You know, back when I was in high school, who did that to a teacher. It was a lie, and she did it to because she was mad at the teacher. But how quickly we want it to be that, so we don't have to deal with it. You got it. Because I mean, it's, it's more than likely this guy's probably known this youth worker a lot longer than he's known. The uh, the girl mm. and probably spent a lot more time with him, and you don't want that to be true. So it's part of you so just good. hoping it's a lie, and so mm-hmm. looking for that. Marty's gonna preach, y'all. <laughs> yeah, you. It's so true. That's so true. Um, and and go ahead. The other question, comment that you had made, though, what do we do once this happens? Now you've discussed it with the, the young lady that's had the accusation. But I think immediately you have to bring that before the accused party and notify them also. And that's where that, that policy of how do we handle an accusation, how does that come into effect so that that minister knows, you still have my trust, innocent until proven guilty, but here is the procedure yeah. on administrative leave for an undisclosed amount of time. Great. Uh, the church needs to know that we are taking action upon that so we don't lose trust with the church, the other families that might have 14-year-old girls uh, that are in our ministry. You know, so we have to we have to take actions, even though yes, it's the police's job to find out who's guilty, but it's my job as a pastor to protect the flock and to make sure processes are in place so we are blameless as best we can be with the situation on how we handle it. Both for the minister's perspective to safeguard him yeah. and for the accuser's perspective to safeguard her until we have evidence of mm-hmm. which way is what. what. Yeah. Well, you're naming something so important, which is, uh, especially if you're in leadership in a church, we are presented with two congregation members, two people who are under uh, the care of, of our ministry. And so one of the questions that often comes up is, there's, there's the, the sort of HR piece that you're speaking to, but also... What is our response to him as part of a community of faith, uh, which, is a, which is a really hard thing to hold um, as a church uh, uh, pastor or church leaders to, ha- to, to hold that these are, these are two of our congregation members, and we have this sort of legal mandate, but there's this spiritual and faith-based mandate that... Is sort of a tightrope to walk, and I wanna I want for us to kind of end in that arena. So thank you for saying that. Somebody can call me crew, and I'm I don't know who the gentleman is that's talking behind me, but I agree with him a lot. I, as chairman of the deacons in my church, if I walk in the door Sunday morning and a 14 year old comes to me and says, "Mr. Dewey, I've been sexually assaulted." I'm going to say, hold it. If there's somebody around, I'm going to go send them after the preacher, and while he's going after the preacher, I'm going to call the law. Mm-hmm. Right then. I'm not going to wait, not going to talk to them. 
I'm going to call the law. And then the law is going to talk to her and the accuser. I'm not going to approach the accuser. Because at that point in time, you better, you better think about yourself a little bit. Because what happens, I've, I've heard people say, we need to give it two or three days to make sure she's telling the truth. That would be between her, the accuser, mm -hmm. I mean the accused, and the police, not me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. Now, I will apologize later on or say I'm sorry that things are, turned out the way they did, but I'm not going to put myself between the law and either one of those two people. Mm -hmm. Not when it comes to that, because a crime has possibly been committed. Yeah. It, it's, not like, it's not like you had a lady that lied about her neighbor down the road. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, a serious, that's a serious situation. That's, that's interesting, and I just ask from a polity perspective, okay, as the chairman of the deacons, if we're in the role where chairman of deacons help do administrative functions in the church and are helping with that role, and it was your senior pastor, or maybe the only pastor, and it was an accusation against him, I'd still, um, would you tell him that an accusation has been made before it was made public to the church, who would be your next step? After My next the step would be calling the law. That's and at where what I point would you then, as the chairman of the deacons, helping your pastor shepherd the flock, at what point would you share that with him? Just, or would he just be informed by a police officer? Just as soon as I could after I called the law. So the law would be, and he tells us, our pastor tells us, no matter what happens, if they think a crime has been committed, mm -hmm. you dial 911. Sure. Right? Sure. So that's your policy. So that's you our po that, policy. That is our place. policy. We've been talking about this for three or four years. That's okay. why we put the cameras in. Now we have not had a situation at our church whatsoever, <clears throat> and I don't. I don't think that anybody's going to have a situation because they're seen every minute. <laughs> yeah. We're not spying on them. Just kind of. We're yeah. spying, <laughs> spying in the Lord's name. But I'm gonna tell you yeah. why. That's right. But I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what. Uh -huh. If a woman or a young lady comes up and says. I was abused in the, in the fellowship hall while I got this morning early. And you pull, you pull that screen up on that camera and say, where at? Can you tell me what time? Mm. I don't see that. Mr. Police Officer, can you find it on this tape? That says a lot right there. Tells you all you need to know. Well, and that speaks a lot to the prevention piece. Um, and there's a lot of different policies that are put into place for prevention so that churches hopefully don't have to deal with something of this magnitude. And one of the resources that we handed out is provided um, by the conference, and there's some sample policies in there. So if you have questions about what these look like or, you know, want to look at what you have within your own church, I think that this is a great resource for doing that, of how can we shore up some of the prevention pieces. Um, so that, that's an important piece. I'll share with you through our own, through our church insurance that we have, and again, I won't mention the name if you want to know, you can see me afterwards, but the insurance that we have actually has a policy writer for me as a pastor for counseling issues. If I'm accused of something or if I'm counseling someone suicidal and they killed themselves, the family can sue the church. We have a policy for coverage on that liability. But they also uh, review our church policies. So the, the insurance we have, if we're accused or there's an issue, they will provide <coughs> legal coverage through attorneys to represent us in court uh, through our insurance. 
So they also, again, they, they evaluate our policies to make sure if there's any loopholes, they have attorneys that give us feedback and say, hey, you need to adjust this line, you need to change this. They've been very helpful in that as well. So Great. We have legal protection through attorneys if we're accused, which we can also give to that pastor, and that attorney will cover that pastor's legal issues that's being accused of the offense, and they will deal with that pastor also. So we're providing some help for the accused as well as the accuser um, and our insurance policy that we have helps us with that. So that's another safeguard for the church that we're protecting people and the assets uh, and, and giving resources to both accused and accuser. Yeah. For what it's worth. I was wondering, you know, I come from an education background, and as a teacher we were told if you get some information like this, you immediately take it to the counselor, and then the counselor takes it to the principal and then takes it to defects. As a church, for two things, is who are we responsible to report to? Do we report to the police or defects? And is there a good policy to have, assuming that the person not being accused is the senior pastor, if they do come to the chairman of the deacons, is it a good policy to have the deacons have someone they have to go to first? Or is it better policy, like you were saying, they immediately call the police? My immediate response would be, great question. Great question. And, <clears throat> yeah, it, it means I can give you an answer, but the better answer is, uh, it would be good for the leadership of your church to look to look at what policy is available. Um, as counselors, we can respond in a way that says, well, this is, this is maybe a good policy to emotionally care for this person in the moment. But I think the deeper question you're asking is a legal one, uh, which um, I'm not going to have the best resources for. So I would say, what I, lo- I love the question you're asking because I think it's something churches need to be asking. Like, this, this is not something that just occurs, you know, every now and then. We're, we're hearing more and more reports of this happening in churches. And so I think your, your question speaks to the urgency that we kind of hope you feel around, we need some policies and procedures in place for when this might happen. And how do we educate our leadership around responding and the steps to, to responding? From the emotional side, though, um, and I hear Dewey's concern and want to honor that, and also say uh, you have a, a child in front of you who, who may have experienced some, some deep trauma. And, and so there are some ways that we can respond that is both uh, sort of sensitive to what they're telling us, but also abides by ethical, legal responsibilities that we have. And I wanted to run through a few of those with you real quick. Um, if this person is standing sort of right in front of you, one of the responses is, okay, hush, I'm going to go get somebody else. Um, what I would encourage you to do, or at least to think about, is how you might uh, soften that in a way to help uh, this young person um, to feel a little more empowered to tell the next person, meaning... I would rather be able to take Kayla, if her family is the appropriate avenue to go through here, if she has a relationship with her family, I would rather Kayla be able to tell her family than me. 
um, to empower her to be able to do that. Um, and a couple of the ways you can do that, there's, a, there's a, a, an acronym called ORS, O-A-R-S. Uh, and it's one that we use in the counseling world. Um, asking open questions. Uh, so not necessarily questions. You're not an investigator, right? You, you don't need to worry about if it's true or not. Um, so those are just kind of asking open questions to her uh, that may or may not have yes or no answers. Um, second is affirm. So you want to tell this person that I'm really glad you spoke out. I'm really glad you told somebody. Thank you for letting me know that. Um, it gives her the kind of reassurance that, okay, I've done the right thing by telling somebody else. Um, that's O and A. R is uh, reflect. Yep. Um, so you're just going to reflect back what they're saying. I mean, and that can be as simple as, Kayla, let me make sure I understand what has happened. Uh, this allows us to be more responsive than reactive. One of the issues we can run into is we get caught up emotionally in the situation, and so we sort of react in a way that could be more harmful. Uh, so, so one of the things that we can do to sort of slow our, ourselves down and to slow her down is to just reflect back what you're hearing her say. So let me, let me make sure I get this straight. Bill's been taking you home from, from youth group. Is that right? Yeah. And when Bill takes you home, some, some inappropriate things have happened. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, it sort of slows down the pace so that when you feel that anxiousness, uh, it doesn't have to exist all in here. Uh, then S is uh, summarize. So you may just offer her at the end this, this kind of summary. And it never goes, you're not going to be like, well, what's that ORS acronym in the, in the middle of this conversation? These are just all, they can be one-off skills. You know, summarizing is a way of saying, okay, this is what I've heard. And this is kind of how we need to respond now. Uh, and I'm going to help you through that. Uh, but this is a... I. I'm, I cannot hold this myself anymore, Kayla. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you are in a situation that is very dangerous to you, and uh, I'm now going to be helping you to tell the appropriate people uh, so that this doesn't happen anymore. Um, and so the, the, the idea is to sort of soften the blow that's about to happen to somebody who's just been traumatized. Part of that is in protecting the victim. And the reason why I say that is because if, if you sort of just kind of out it right there in the beginning, it could traumatize her again. Uh, because now that, you know, and the congregation will know, but we're getting better about policies uh, and procedures that protect the victim. So when you read news stories now or, or that it kind of comes out, uh, most of those stories do not include victim names. And so part of what I think we can do in responding to this is sort of keeping it in a, in a position that says we want to protect you through this process. Uh, so what would you add to that? Yeah, I mean, just kind of in the room, I hear protecting victim, survivor, in some ways protecting the accused, protecting the flock. So really, you're in this kind of Position that's almost a bridge between multiple different um, entities. And sometimes we can get caught up in, 
what is it that I have to do for this one or this one? Good. And I think the lens that we're providing today is how do we care for Kayla? And how do we care for that which is right in front of us? Um, and in some ways, that takes some exploration of ourselves, too, of what am I experiencing in this moment with Kayla? Um, because that often informs what we then do, yeah. right? Because we've talked about the difference between response and react. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and, and, and we hear different lenses as you talk, right? We've got Dewey, who's like, nah, I'm out of this thing. <laughs> Give me a police officer. I am out of this. And then we've got Virgil over here, who's kind of, is it Vigil? Virgil? Okay. Thank you a lot of like on it, but yeah, how, yeah. But sort of protecting, you know, the flock, and also the, there's this kind of HR piece as head pastor. We got other folks that are kind of speaking from a congregational standpoint. So I love this image. Our, our pastor in a deacons meeting, yeah, uh, looked at our deacons and me, and he said, I, "I want to know where we stand." He said, "But that's my first impression, and we've always stuck with that." But I did talk to a lawyer. Yeah. Here's what he said to me. He said, number one, how long do you wait before you call? But, but most importantly, it said when she tells you that she's been abused, said you're aware of it right that minute. Right then. Right then you're aware of it. He said, I've heard people say, well, I'd like to give it two or three hours, see what she has to say. He said, let me give you this scenario. This is the way he put it to me. He said, this young man's 17, she's 15. That's the ages we used. She's accused him in your church that morning. Within the three or four hour period that you wait and delay, he assaults a young lady. Who's responsible for that? You or the church or the police? He said, you are. That's great. So one of the things Dewey's speaking to is you're not going to leave, in this instance, you're not going to leave Kayla's side until some sort of process has started. So you would not send her home in this situation you would not, uh, you know, this would be a thing that it's one of those things that your flag should go up and go, okay, I've got to see this through to the end, you know. Uh, and it, it puts us in a, different, a difficult place. Bad situation. It's, it's a difficult place to be. But I do think it is, that is an important point is that we're not like, okay, go home and let us process this at the church. Uh, once Kayla has revealed that to you, you you're you're now with her uh, or with her family uh, until appropriate authorities have been notified. Would- yeah, and if this hasn't already been done, it may be helpful to consult with an attorney or an insurance company that you know is aware of all the procedural pieces of this. Um, but as much as there's a weight of responsibility. North Carolina is mandated reporting. There's also like a good faith reporting. So there's this question of, well, what if he didn't do it? Well, your job is to report it. And if it turns out that he didn't do it, North Carolina, it, it's a good faith is what it's called. It's, it's you reported the information that you had in front of you. Essentially, you are a messenger. You are not conducting a judgment upon, you know, or trying to dissect the information, you're literally just passing along the information that was given to you. That information is tremendous. It probably brings up some of our own stuff. It, at the very least, a fight or flight response within us. So, you know, it's, it's an emotionally charged moment. But, I, you know, I, I hope that even in knowing the, the responsibility of reporting, 
there's also a sense of I did this because it was required and I did it in good faith, not in judgment either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hate to stop us. Let me say one more quick thing. <laughs> I bet you're fun I, in those I, deacon I, meetings. I, 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 let me say this real quick. Yeah. I say this to people all the time. Your heart is a special thing. Yeah. And your brain is too. Yeah. And if you use your heart to make decisions, a lot of times you'll make the wrong one when it mm. comes to legal matters. Mm-hmm. You better not use that heart to mm. make a legal decision. I hope <laughs> you there's. You better so- cover yourself. <laughs> I, and I would say, I hope there's something we can do as a church to offer both. I do too. Uh, and, and we try to. Yeah, that's right. Do, I'm sure. And so I guess the question I'd leave you with is. If this little girl walked up to Jesus, how might Jesus respond to her in the moment? I don't need an answer, but just something to... Well, I'll tell you, they can't lock Jesus up. <laughs> they can lock Billy Wells up. <laughs> well, see, that's the advantage. If he knows immediately if she was lying, I'm sorry. It's true. I'm just I'm trying to fix you in the corner. Well, I was thinking, no, they won't lock him up, but they'll crucify him. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I don't want to crucify me. <laughs> no. And I know it's a touchy situation. It's tough. But and, and actually, where this comes from in our church is from our pastor. Yeah. He says, Good. Oh. Well, but I, th- I think you have to filter you call uh, through the lens of grace at the same time mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. I mean... I'm sitting here thinking, running through my mind, okay, hold it right there. I'm going to dial 911. I mean, that girl will have a heart attack. You got right it. There while you're doing that. Exactly. Then the police are going to show up, and everybody in church, what's the police doing here? Yeah. Well, what are you going to do, lie? Uh-huh. You know, no, you're going to have to then say why they're there. Uh-huh. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, that, you know, I would imagine it would be rare not that it wouldn't happen, but it'd be rare somebody would walk in the door on Sunday morning right there in the middle of the lobby and say, you, I've been molested. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it could happen. But I, I, I would hope that it would be a situation where well, it has, it has that happened. moment yeah. of grace to say, okay, and do, you know, what you what we've talked about. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, That's where we let the deacon preach the sermon and we'll take the you put the grace in, 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 you put the grace into it all that into it whether you have grace or not in legalized today and mm-hmm. our courts today outweigh anything we can say what we please we pray to God and we believe in God and everything else and all that good stuff but the police is the one who's going to decide what happens in that case. Mm-hmm. Not me. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Not the pastor. And but I and, still think that... But, but you, you better... It you, sounds like you two are going to have good coffee conversation <laughs> after this. I still think 10 minutes of let's sit right here yeah. and let's you know, lay out for me exactly you know, what, what happened and, and go through... You know, I, I, like, I like the words, but I mean... Uh, some semblance of that yeah. is not going to be because, um, you know, in your first scenario, you said she'd been molested that morning, and then, you know, in the next 15 minutes or hour, he's done molested somebody else. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, uh, 
I still think we have to, I think we have to be careful because there are people right now getting crucified publicly that are as innocent as the driven snow. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of it stems from, it's a sin issue. And this whole thing that we're talking about is a gospel issue. Mm -hmm. it, it all is. And that's why I think that we have to filter everything we do. And the law makes accommodation to a point. Now, you're right to the other point about, you know, right, you know legalities and all this. But I really think that if they can determine and know we did everything we should have done. Mm. But this comes back to what he was talking about when we were back here as a group. If you've got policies and procedures in place, that covers a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the problem all these churches have is they don't have this stuff in place. And yeah. so they need jerk. When something happens, they need jerk. And that's, that's where you get in trouble. Mistake. And that's where you get in trouble. We, we covered that. Debbie. Here, here might be a way to also care for this young girl um, is you've been told you, you pull in somebody else, a woman or somebody that she knows and loves and sits with her and, you, and helps take care of her and show love and grace and, you know, we're here for you and we're going to walk you through this while you're off calling the police and talking to the pastor and, you know, and who else you want to do. I mean, that's just, you can pull somebody else in. It's not all on, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's but, the grace. But because we're the church, not because, you know, we're people that, you know, just have to fall under the law, but because we're the church. I, know, I don't... And we're to... Care. I, I don't want to be misunderstood, okay? <laughs> and I think I was a little bit. I, I mean, I'm pretty solid on that, but <laughs> but I'm, I, I didn't mean that. And, and I might have said it like that. I say things sometimes that don't come out right. I don't mean most times that happens. There's going to be people somewhere close by. I don't mean that. I say, hold it. I got to call the law. I'm, I would get mother, sister, brother, somebody. Okay. To set, be with her, yeah. but my next move, just as soon as I made that happen, tried to send it fresh. Then I called the law. You left I, that step out. There. I did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, our hope, our hope today was to start a conversation, and I think we uh, accomplished that goal. Thank you so much uh, for engaging in this.